Are you guys, you good? Um, I, um, I want to, I'm going to do something. I want to reach back to, I think it was three or four weeks ago where uh, I, I spoke on, um, uh, on the atonement. And um, uh, I want to go back and pull that. This is such an important, really important uh, a message. And, uh, but before we do that, I want to, I want to pray. I was thinking about uh, in Acts 16, it's just really neat uh, verse where it's talking about Lydia. Lydia was this, you know, seller of purple and that sort of thing. And, and it says that uh, she was listening to Paul and the Lord opened her heart to receive what was being said. It's like, huh. So I'm going to ask that the Lord opens our heart to receive what's being said takes God to know God, to love God, to receive God. And so, God, we are asking for help. We ask, Lord, for help, Lord. We ask, Lord, for your grace. I ask, Lord, for your mercy, your kindness to come and supernaturally open our ears, open our eyes. I pray, Lord, that the seed that is going forth from your word, from your mouth would go, it would be like a seed that goes into the soil of our heart, the deep recesses of our hearts, Lord. And I pray that, uh, that the spiritual birds of the air would not be able to come and steal this. We ask this, what I ask, Lord, for at, at just a, a, a spirit of wisdom and revelation on this message this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you have your Bible, I want to, I want to start with Acts chapter five. I'm just gonna kind of bring your attention to Acts chapter five. And uh, Acts chapter five, it starts out with the story of Ananias and Sapphira. Basically, um, Pentecost has happened. Some scholars say it's been going on for about five years and they correlate uh, for each uh, chapter after or, or the chapters in Acts to be kind of a correlation with the years uh, after the Pentecost. And so Acts chapter five would be five years, you know, approximately or, and uh, uh, don't know if that's true or not, but it, it's, it's, it's good to work with. And so it's talking about Ananias and Sapphira, and then it goes on and talks about all the miracles and all of the church growth that was happening, and, and it, it, it talks about where uh, the, the, um, the Pharisees of that day were actually, uh, the religious leaders actually were jealous of what was going on, and they take the apostles and they throw them into prison. And so they've got them locked up, and... The Lord had a different plan and he sends an angel to them to get them out of prison. And so when the angel shows up, the angel has this message. And he says to the apostles, go, stand and speak to the people in this temple the whole message of this life. Now, I, I, I like this translation because of the way that it phrases this, but I really like it because it deifies that word life. There's a deity, it's, de, it's deified. It's talking about, go speak the whole message of this life. And so I thought about that phrase, the whole message of this life, and I was like, Wow. For him to say the whole message of this life kind of makes you wonder if I've only heard part of it. 
What if the Lord is wanting to, uh, to bring to us the whole message of this life, the whole message of this one called Jesus Christ, the whole message, like, oh, oh. And that's what I feel like that he's, he, he's targeting. I feel like that this is a compass point on the Holy Spirit's compass, and this is the direction that he's taking us. And so with that, I had said to you in review, I'm still, still kind of reviewing here, I, um, I had said that the beginning of this year really felt impressed by the Lord that this verse uh, in Matthew where Jesus is talking to the Sadducees and they tried to trick him with this um, uh, hypothetical uh, question. And Jesus, seeing right through the trickery and that sort of thing, said, but he still didn't condemn them. He said, oh, oh, the reason you're asking me this question is because you're mistaken. And your mistake is that you don't know the scriptures and you don't know the power of God. It's like, oh, and I felt like church for us, for me, that the Lord could actually say that to me and go, Jeff, you're, in some areas, you're mistaken because you don't know the scriptures and you don't know the power of God. Not that I'm unfamiliar with them. It's just, I felt like that this is an invitation from the Lord to us as a church to step into, if you would, the experience the experience of the scripture, the power of the scripture, the power of God. It's like, whoa, bring it. And so that's, that, that's, that's kind of the backdrop of what I'm wanting to, I'm wanting to take this and bring this forward, these verses, bring this forward in what I'm going to talk about uh, this this morning, and so again, so in review, um, uh, you know what? Let me say this because before I jump off this, because I think uh, I can get, I just want to make sure that we're all on the same page. What I'm, what, what I feel like this verse means is that I uh, I can hear something and understand it in my mind, and yet never ex- step into the experience of it. So I, uh, for the longest time, uh, brought up in the church, so thankful for my heritage in the church, so thankful for my upbringing. Uh, it was a denomination and uh, was, learned the Bible. And, and, but it wasn't until I received the baptism in the Holy Spirit that I actually stepped into the experience, the experience of the living word of God, the experience. It was like, wow, this is Huh, it's not ethereal. It's not, I mean, not that I would, you'd never get, catch me on a true or false test. Do you believe the Bible's ethereal? I do. You would never see that. But truth be told, if you'd pull me away in private, it's like, yeah, I wish, I wish I could experience more of who he is. And the baptism of the Holy Spirit actually opened up that door for my spirit man to come alive. And so if you've not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, ho, ho, ho. It is amazing. It is. So, that's what I mean. So, I believe that the Lord is extending an invitation to us to experience this verse right here. Wouldn't it be great if the church, Grace Center, knew the scriptures and we knew the power of God? Wow. Wow. 
Okay, so in your Bibles, uh, Exodus 24, I'm going to touch on this. This is where we were before. This is what I'm reaching back to a few weeks ago, was talking about in Exodus 24. Basically, uh, at the end of Exodus 24, God tells Moses, hey, I want you to come aside, come up here on Mount Sinai, and, and I'm going to meet with you. And so um, so Moses does that, and uh uh, basically, so, so uh, the people, but he said, no one else can come with you. You know, don't, don't want, I don't even want the animals touching this because, you know, they'll die. And so there was this, this, this uh, brooding smoke and fire that came down. It was consuming the mountain. And, and so the people are watching this and uh, probably wondering what is going on with Moses. Moses was up there and he's waiting for the Lord to, you know, to, to bring him in further. And it says in scripture that he waited for six days. Six days in the midst of this fiery mountain, and I'm thinking, wow, wonder what, I mean, that would scare the daylights out of me, just, just being up there one minute. I can't imagine one day, or a little on, six days. And then finally, the Lord steps in and speaks to him and calls to him, and he starts to give him an instruction. And he says in, in chapter 25, I want to build a sanctuary because I want to dwell with you. And he, we get, he gets, not only, he says, I'm going to tell you how to build it. And so he gets into the, to the specifics of this temple or this, 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 this sanctuary. And he starts to describe uh, the different animal skins that he wants to use, the different colors that he wants to use, the dimensions that he wants. Uh, and everything had to be, I mean, everything was so specific and so precise. The gold is for this, the silver is for this. And, and this is all the part where you and I read and we're like, uh, okay, is, where, where's the end of the chapter? Because I need to go check off reading this chapter of my daily read, but, but good Lord, this is, but it all, so in the middle of that, in the middle of this description, in Exodus 25, he also says, then make the ark's cover the place of atonement. From pure gold, there's that word, huh, atonement. Here's the first, first time we see in scripture, it's talking about atonement. It must be 45 inches long and 27 inches wide. Then make two cherubim from hammered gold and place them on the two ends of the atonement cover. Mold the cherubim on each end of the atonement cover, making it all of one piece of gold. Now we know that what this is, it is a type of something that's in heaven. This is a type. And so the Lord's like, I'm wanting to replicate on earth what's in heaven, and this is what I want this to look like. Well, then the next verse, he says, goes on with the instruction, the cherubim will face each other and look down on the atonement cover. With their wings spread above it, they will protect it. Place inside the ark the stone tablets which is the, the commandments, inscribed with the terms of the covenant. Then put the atonement cover on top of the ark. I will meet with you there and talk to you from above the atonement cover between the gold cherubim that hover over the ark of the covenant. From there, I will give you my commands for the people of Israel. So God specifically lays out the dimensions, the materials, the design, 
And for the first time, we see where God specifies, here is where I will meet you. It calls this place the atonement cover. In some of your translations, if you're following along, it says mercy seat. But regardless of, not regardless, but besides, my point is, in all of that, is here is God who is omniscient, he knows everything, he's omnipotent, he's all-powerful, and he's omnipresent. He's everywhere. Why would someone who is everywhere say, I will meet you there? And if so, if there, what's so special about there? So that's what we're going to look at. I thought the Lord could meet them anywhere. I thought the Lord was everywhere. I mean, after all, Scripture says that the whole earth is His. Why there? There was no place, what this tells me, there was no place from God's perspective except at the place of atonement or the seat of mercy to meet with man. So, we want to look at this special place. What is, what happens at the atonement? Turn to Leviticus 17, 11. Or what's so significant about this atonement place? Well, the atonement place was where, basically where blood was sprinkled on it. And the significance of blood it's found in, in Leviticus 17, 11. For the life of the body is in its blood. I have given you the blood on the altar to purify you, making you right with the Lord, which means atonement. Atonement means making you right with the Lord. It is the blood given in exchange for a life that makes purification possible. Oh, so the life of the body is in its blood. The life of what body? Whatever the sacrifice is. So they had bulls and rams and sheep and goats and birds. And so the life of the bull is in its blood. The life of the sheep is in its blood. It is the blood given in exchange for a life that makes purification possible. Huh. He's saying the place of the sacrifice, the place of the shedding of blood is where I'll meet with you. No other place will I meet with you but the place of atonement. Atonement literally means that God and the sinner are brought into a relationship in which they are one. What could bring God and a sinner into a relationship in which they are one? Blood. The blood. The place of the sacrifice 
It's the exchange. What's the exchange? It's the sacrifice of the innocent in place, substituted for the guilty. An innocent animal gave its life for the sins of man in this case. It's the innocent stepping in for the guilty. This is the place I will meet you. In Hebrews chapter nine, verse 22 says in reference to this, in fact, according to the law of Moses, nearly everything was purified with blood. For without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Wow. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. The only place that God could meet man was at the place of atonement or the place of the shedding of blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. I mean, that, that is like, good night. That is, for me, that's taken the concept of what I know uh, forgiveness to be about and extrapolating it out like across the nation. Like I, I was good with, I thought forgiveness was, okay, you're forgiven. I had no idea of the cost. Like what? What, what, what are you all, what are y'all thinking up there? And so if this, if this is true, that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. It's like, wow, for whatever reason, I had this thought, then I don't think I have a full grasp on the fall of man. I don't think I completely understand, A, what was at stake, but B, what was lost during the fall of man. Because before the fall of man, Adam and Eve, they were walking with the Lord daily. They, were, they, were, they, they had un, uh, uh, unbroken fellowship, unbroken friendship, unbroken relationship. And then after the fall, looks like something happened here. Houston, we've got a problem. And so, I think that the fall of man was a little bit more than two people eating, eating forbidden fruit and realizing they were naked. I think it was a little bit more than that. And as a result of that, getting kicked out of the garden, okay, you're gone. Oh, I, guys, I think there's a little bit more to this thing than just that. Much more than that. And so one of the things, one of the, uh, I'm, I'm gonna talk about this, but before I do this, I wanna set up this next verse that I'm gonna show you that I'm gonna, it's in Psalms 89. One of the things, this is maybe just for me, but there, have you ever had read some verses that are so beautiful, you're just like, you're, you're, you're taken aback. And for me, I was trying to trim this slideshow because I wanted to put up every single version of this next verse, but I had to settle on one. But I'm, gonna, I'm not trying to keep you in suspense. It's Psalms 89, 14. It says that righteousness and justice 
are the foundation of your throne. Mercy and loving kindness and truth go before your face. The New Living Translation puts it like this. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Unfailing love and truth walk before you as attendants. Oh, wow. So, what does that mean that righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne? Well, in order to try to get a word picture or, or a little bit of a picture as to what we're talking about here, this is a throne. I know it doesn't look like much, but you know what? It's, it's, no. Pretend like this is a throne. It's a chair. If we were to look at the chair, we'd say, what is the foundation of that chair? The legs, exactly. The legs are the foundation of this chair. Can everybody see this? God's throne has righteousness and justice as the foundation of his throne. Whew. It means he, the one who sits on here is sitting on righteousness, looking out at the earth going, that's not right, that's not right. I wanna fix that, I wanna fix them. It's not right. And then the justice piece of it, that's not right. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. So before we move on, let's look at justice just to get us, just make sure we're all on the same page. When I say justice, justice is the administering of deserved punishment or reward. Justice is the administering of deserve punishment or reward. So the phrase to bring to justice means to cause to come before a court for trial or to receive a punishment for one's misdeeds. This means that the one who sits upon the throne, this throne is administering deserved punishment or reward. With me? So, the issue, just to kind of get a, our arms, start to, start to get our arms around what was lost at the fall or what happened at the fall, was that when Adam and Eve took that bite, basically, they sinned, they, they, they disobeyed God, and immediately what God realized was, oh no, because of this throne that I sit on, justice has to be administered. And the other thing that, that needs to be talked about is that the justice, justice demands blood. Something has to die in order for, for justice to be satisfied. Or in order, for, in order for there to be a continuation 
of their life, Adam and Eve's life, or a pardon for their sin, or what we or forgiveness of their sin, something had to die. This could be why God, when he said to Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter two, when he's talking to them, said, hey, here's where you're gonna live. It's paradise. You can, have, you can eat from any of these trees except for one. He says, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Now, there are several different meanings to this phrase, you will certainly die. There's a physical meaning, there's a spiritual meaning, there's a temporal meaning, there's an eternal meaning, et cetera, et cetera. For the sake of time, I don't have enough time to look at each one, but he says, you will certainly die. Basically, he's saying, because my throne is set up on righteousness and justice as its foundation and punishment must be enforced. He's referring to the justice side of his throne. It will be enforced. But we who know the story are familiar that once they took a bite of the fruit, they didn't die. Matter of fact, the tempter, the serpent, told her, told Eve, if you eat from this, you're, you're not gonna, you won't die. He just knows you're gonna be like him. And so they went, we're still here. Oh, so I wonder if that, in that moment, if they're like, oh, wow, we didn't die. Who's lying? Is God a liar? Is this a misprint in scripture? No, it's not. If you have your Bibles in Genesis chapter three. Watch this. Genesis chapter three. I'll pick up with verse 11. Basically, God's been looking for Adam and Eve and Adam said, well, we were hiding and he said, we were hiding because we were naked. And then in verse 11, God said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I've commanded you not to eat? The man said, well, the woman that you gave to be with me, she gave it from the tree, and so I ate it. <laughs> then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you've done? And, and the woman said, well, the serpent deceived me and I ate. The Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, Cursed are you more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you will go and dust you will eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise you on the head. Talking about Jesus. He will bruise you on the head and you shall bruise him on the heel. To the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your childbirth and, or your pain in childbirth. In pain, you will bring forth children, yet your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. Then to Adam, he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree, which I've commanded you not to, you, the, um, cursed is the ground because of you. In toil, you will eat it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles will grow for you and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face, you will eat bread to return to, to 
the ground because from it you were taken and from the dust you will return. What's happening here? It's the administration of justice. But something's weird because Adam and Eve are still alive. Well, keep looking. Verse 21, and the Lord God made clothing from animal skins for Adam and his wife. The animal died. God extracted the penalty that was due Adam and Eve from the animal. Not only that, he clothed Adam and Eve's nakedness with the skin. So here we see the blood. It was provided by the sacrifice of an animal. The animal was a substituted sacrifice for man. And here we see the beginning of the type of redemptive plan for God and man. The innocent substituted or sacrificed in the place of the guilty. On this whole topic of forgiveness, I I was thinking about the Lord's Prayer. And one day I was, I can't remember, it was a few weeks ago, I was up here in worship and, and, you know, just loving the Lord and, you know, worshiping. And I don't even know how this came about, but I was thinking about the Lord's Prayer and even... Uh, you know, for, for, I don't know if it's the song that said something about forgiveness. Anyway, I'm up there singing. As I'm thinking about, uh, maybe we sing the Lord's Prayer, but anyway, as I'm thinking about it, this phrase goes through my head, in order for there to be forgiveness, something had to die. So, whoa, this is, a, this is one of those verses that I grew up memorizing as a child, the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us this day, our day or, or give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us of our sins or our trespasses. Yeah, I'm happy to do it. In order for there to be forgiveness, something had to die. Something has to, you're like, wow, wow, wow. There has to be a shedding of blood for this forgiveness in order for the forgiveness to be accomplished. It's the justice of God The justice, the administration of the justice of God demands blood. And as we go on further in these teachings in the next few weeks, we're going to see that that demand was satisfied, full on satisfied in the substitutionary death of Jesus for us. This is powerful. This is powerful. Your mistake is that you don't know the scriptures and you don't know the power of God. This is one of the things that the, the, I feel like that the Holy Spirit is wanting to recalibrate us as believers that we would understand and know the significance of who Jesus is. 
not in theory, in experience. I will meet with you there and talk to you from above the atonement cover. From there, I will give you my commands for the people of Israel. I, I will meet with you there. I, I always saw that the place of atonement, I always saw it as a place where I was coming back to God in order to be accepted by God in order to have relationship with God. And so, and all that's true. <laughs> Some of you go, what? We're not doing that? No, all that is true. It wasn't until recent that I saw a, a different perspective. The perspective that I had was me coming to him. I'm coming to him. I'm, I'm taking the role. I'm coming, I'm accepting this. I'm coming to him. But could I show you something? The place of atonement was the only place where he could come to me. The place of the shedding of blood was the only place where he could come to me. The place of the shedding of blood is where he could get to me. I was trying to get to him. He's been, he was trying to get to me. He was trying to get to you. This whole thing, the fall that happened, it, it, it changed the dynamic. It changed the dynamic of the relationship. And now God is estranged. We're, we're estranged from God, yes, but he's estranged from us. He's estranged from his children. And because of righteousness and justice, it's almost, go with me, it's almost like he's bound by his own protocol. And he's looking for a way to get to me. And the answer is solved. Ah, I will meet with you there at the place of the shedding of blood. Boom, there it is. That's the opening I was looking for. So for the first time, I saw the heart of a father looking for a way to get back to his children. It's profound. Jesus is the heart of a father looking for a way to get back to his kids. This is why we're going to see the significance of the sacrifice of Jesus. Significance. He can only meet with me at the place of atonement. So where we are right now in the room. This is rever reverential awe. Yes. This is reverential awe. The cost. 
we're going to see. We're going to see the significance. The significance of what Jesus did. The significance. Oh. Oh. Now the lights are starting to come on. Now I understand why the angels would bust in to time and space here on earth to announce to some shepherds out in the field, there's one who's being born today, a savior, a savior. It wasn't just just a herald, a heavenly herald. Oh no, they knew something. They knew what the birth of this one that nobody knew about, read about him in scripture. They knew, oh, oh, great joy, great joy for all people. Oh, this is the reason when we see at the end of the age that Everyone, when they see Jesus, they take their crowns and throw it at him. There's, I didn't have anything to do with this. Oh, no, it's all you. You deserve it all. You deserve it all. It's all you. It's all you. This is why when I told you about the, the lady who, who uh, had the dream about her father that had passed a few months Prior to that, and in the dream, he calls her on the phone. She picks up the phone. It's her dad, and she's like, she knows in the dream, uh, you're, you've already passed on. How are you able to talk to me? And in their conversation, she's, she's so excited that she's able to talk to her dad. She says, uh, how, how are you doing? And he, he didn't answer her. So she thought, uh-oh, uh, does this mean you're not where I think you are? And so she, she was so bothered by it in the dream, she goes back, she says, Dad, why, uh, you didn't answer me. How are you doing? And he says, yeah, uh, you know, um, I'm having a hard time answering that because where I am, there are no self-referential terms. It means they're all absorbed with this one. Consumed with this one. A stand. So, <laughs> whoo. Lord, I pray that the eyes of our heart would be opened, they'd be enlightened, that we would know the height, the width, the breadth, the depth of the love of Christ, that we would be rooted and grounded in the love of Christ. Lord, I just, there's no way that I can adequately close this out but to say thank you, thank you. I just bless each one of you. I bless you. Don. Would you do me a favor? Would you come and, and mm-hmm. do, do the, the blessing over us? For this reason, 
God has given him a name that's above every name. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. In heaven, on earth, and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. And so, Lord, we pick up that ancient blessing. And you knew when you gave it to Moses to give to Aaron that there was more in this blessing than people knew for centuries. Because blessing can only come from you. And each one of us needs to be kept. And we need to be close to you so that your face shines on us and we radiate in and through you. And you pour out your grace, Mm. your graciousness on us. Mm. And give us that peace that only comes through the shedding of your blood Mm. and the place where we meet. Mm. So we receive your blessing. Mm. We all come under it. Mm. The Lord bless you Mm. and keep you. Mm. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his face, his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of Jesus, the Messiah, Prince of Peace. And the congregation said, Amen. Hey, I would um, encourage you in something. Um, I would encourage you. This is not a heavy. This is one of those, pay attention to this. Pay attention to the way that you leave. Meaning, what just happened here 
there's something different about it. There's something that, and for me, when I am sitting or standing uh, in, in, in the atmosphere like this, I, uh, I'm real hesitant to go on with life as normal. Back in the car, talk about, you know, turn on the radio, turn on the CD, whatever, just like nothing happened. I would encourage you to be cognizant, be aware in your spirit, man, what is happening. I would wring this out as much for every drop, every drop that he's wanting to to impart to us. And so I'm not saying that you can't do that, don't hear that. I'm just saying, be, be mindful of this. This is one of those aha type days. Is it good? So, uh, and I just say that because I, I, I want you, I want us to all to catch this. I want us all to, and so be, be open this afternoon. See, check back in. Or is there something you want to say to me? Check back in. Go, go back over the, the scriptures that were, that were talked about. See if the Holy Spirit shows you something. But don't just move on. This isn't just a, you know, Sunday, Sunday's church is never a spectator sport. Never supposed to be a spectator sport. So we're involvement. This is a congregation that we have come together to worship the living God, the God of the now. He's the God of the now. And so in this now moment today, in your now moments today, check in with him. What, what's going on? Be open before you, you go into bed. Check in. Don't just, don't just fall into your routine. Check in. Pause. Turn the TV off. Do something different. Just to see. It's good? Awesome.